Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rounding the Earth. This is our Rounding the News weekly news roundup. And I've got a number of very interesting and somewhat controversial, perhaps just stressful topics to cover. And uh, I'm going to do my best to be objective here and not put too much of my own opinion in. The key is I want to be able to demonstrate both sides of an argument and ideally as reality seems to be to me, I want to present it to you, but I also want to be clear where the delineation between facts and my opinion are. In any case, let's get started here. This is our Rounding the News, News Roundup. So, what do we got today? We have two major topics we're going to cover. The first, which is also the title of this video, I'm calling Confuse, Divide, Conquer. The second, San Diego County data busts a hole in vaccine efficacy narrative. That is the title of a recent Substack article from Rounding the Earth, written by Matthew Crawford. And the title explains a little bit of what it is we're going to get into, but it's a very excellent piece that we're going to cover. If you haven't seen it yet, on Tuesday of this week, Matthew and I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Sonia Anderson of the Canadian COVID Care Alliance, as well as First Lieutenant Mark Bashaw, who is the first, as I understand, uh, individual in the U.S. military to be court-martialed for his opposition to the COVID-19 vaccine mandate in the military. It was a wonderful discussion. We talked about how to be an effective citizen from two different perspectives and two different countries. So do go ahead and watch that if you haven't already. They're tremendous role models, both of them. Okay, so we're just going to run through a couple of quick items before we get into the main ones. But this, th this series of items here does, in fact, lead us directly into the first story. And, well, I guess sort of the second one, too. So a couple of headlines here. CDC eases COVID guidelines, noting virus is here to stay. The new guidelines eliminate quarantines and put less emphasis on social distancing, routine surveillance testing, and contact tracing. Reading the caption of this picture on the left here, people who are exposed to the virus no longer need to quarantine at home, regardless of their vaccination status. So let's stop right there. And just a little note that one of the biggest issues we've found has been the differential treatment, the preferential treatment of one group over another. You know, and throughout history, we have various examples, totally different contexts, different groups of people. But anytime you have different qualifiers for what makes someone have to do one thing or the other based on something that in this case is, is a medical status. Uh, I don't know. You wind up with problems. So I just want to I want to say this seems to be a, a step in the right direction, even though we've seen the CDC in the past, you know, go back on their going backs. So we'll see on the right. CDC ends recommendations for social distancing and quarantine for COVID-19 control. Good word. No longer recommends test to stay in schools. So that's very good. That's coming from uh, CTV News up here in Canada. Uh, bringing up the VAERS update for the week. This is from Albert Benavidez, VAERS auditor, I believe he describes himself as. This is Welcome to Eagle 88 on BitChute. Uh, go, if you don't follow Albert, he's fantastic. He's one of the greats. He focuses on VAERS analysis in, through lenses that others don't. He 
comes from a healthcare related statistical background and his thing is going through and polishing the data that's given to us and fixing little errors in particular that the CDC have made, which as you see here on the bottom right, there's this little sticker that says you're getting bamboozled hundreds, I think it says, maybe even thousands of serious adverse events hiding here. As you can see, there's 899,943 listed there. So go check out Welcome the Eagle 88. He's on a number of platforms. The link will be in the description after the show. Here's our next headline. Polio is back on the radar of Canadian health officials. Here's why. Now, you'll remember we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. There was the first case of polio in the United States in decades, as I understand it, and it was caused by the polio vaccine, the live virus polio vaccine of someone who had traveled into the States and then transmitted the vaccine-derived strain to someone else in the States who may or may not have actually developed polio. Although Canadians are largely vaccinated against polio, the disruptions from the COVID-19 pandemic that has led to children missing routine immunizations or vaccine hesitancy fueled by pandemic misinformation could lead some vulnerable to an illness that was thought to be far in the rearview mirror. Polio, an infectious disease that was eradicated in Canada nearly three decades ago. So there we go. Just to be clear, this is what I was saying a couple of weeks ago. I was under the impression that we had eradicated polio using vaccination. So I'm confused. It's reemerged in some Western nations. So not just the United States. This is the first I'm hearing of this, despite widely available and effective vaccines against the illness. And though Canadians are largely vaccinated against the disease that can cause paralysis or death, the disruptions from the COVID pandemic that have led to, you know, routine immunizations. But also, this is interesting, vaccine hesitancy fueled by pandemic misinformation uh, could leave some vulnerable to an illness that was lost. Oh, that was long thought to be eradicated. So to wrap this up, uh, once again, COVID misinformation or pandemic misinformation. I'm not totally clear on how... First of all, they're not being very specific, unfortunately, but also polio is not COVID, first of all. Also, I repeat, the argument is vaccines successfully eradicated polio, but this article seems to imply that there should be ongoing polio vaccinations that are only now stopping because people, I suppose they're saying, are, are hesitant of all vaccines. So that's this is alarming to me a little to see that it's not just the United States in that singular case, but that now there's an argument of, oh, it's in Canada, it's in Western nations, everyone needs to get vaccinated for polio. Okay, so now totally jarring to a different topic altogether. Headline from the Globe and Mail. The Mar-a-Lago raid brings the United States a step closer to civil war. As you may or may not know, the Florida residents of the former president, Donald Trump, was raided by the FBI a couple days ago. They were in search, allegedly, of some documents that may or may not have been taken, or I suppose that, that were taken by the former president. There's dispute as to what the documents are. There is dispute, at least in the court of public opinion, whether or not this constitutes a crime. 
And this article was really concerning to me because I'm just going to read you a little bit. The United States took a major step towards civil war this week, and it is unclear how it can take a step back. With the FBI raid on Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago, another once, Im- uh, once unimaginable scene in American politics played itself out. The Secret Service had to allow FBI agents into an ex-president's residence. The event itself, shocking as it is, matters less than what the event presages or presages. Nobody so far knows exactly why the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago, but the Department of Justice had to take the warrant to a federal judge and specify which objects they were searching for and the crimes to which the objects were tied. It's a safe bet that the FBI would not have risked the raid unless they were preparing to arrest Mr. Trump and they were confident of a conviction. An ex-president in jail is an entirely plausible scenario at this point. But even people who have craved that come up and since the moment Mr. Trump descended the escalator to the applause of a hired audience should take hired audience. Interesting. I'm going to make a note for myself to follow up on that. That allegation should take a deep breath and ask themselves, what will the fallout be? Is it worth it? For many on the left, this moment is just too sweet not to relish. So you see the politicization of this. And this Canadian news agency is publishing this opinion piece that's saying this takes them closer to civil war. It's both sides of this political discussion that are using the term civil war. Tim Poole, a very popular independent uh, news personality who I like quite a bit, he's aggressively pushing that there is a civil war coming and that there's no way it can't. I don't want to misquote him, but there's discussion of not just an informational type war or, you know, a cultural war, but an actual hot war. It's not just the Globe and Mail. It's not just Tim Pool, who finds himself somewhere in the middle of the political spectrum. So this is this is heating up and, and just to the bottom here, OK? The response to any law enforcement that opposes their partisan interests is increasingly violent and vengeful. They can either live in a functional democracy or the United States, but not both. The time for choosing is coming sooner than anybody expects. Jarring back to pathogens. New Langya virus found in China could be the tip of the iceberg for undiscovered pathogens, researchers say. More surveillance is needed for a new virus or of a new virus detected in dozens of people in eastern China that may not cause the next pandemic. What do you mean may not? But suggest just how easily viruses can travel unnoticed from animals to humans, scientists say. Now, there's something called One Health. That we'll cover at a later date. But if you're interested, jot down One Health. Look into what One Health is. And this this is an ideology or a, a set of beliefs that very much center on the idea of environmental health, human health, and animal health being inseparable. And therefore, policies need to be enacted that follow that. Look it up. Um, no reported deaths. So let's leave that there. So that's a lot of stuff going on, uh, a variety of angles, all of it political. 
And we haven't even started talking about monkeypox yet. So item one, confuse, divide, conquer. Uh, so this is where I'm making my assertion. And I think this is very important. I, I, I very much want to make myself clear here. I believe, I believe that we are being overwhelmed with news items related to a variety of controversial and emotionally charged and just frankly confusing topics, including COVID-19, monkeypox, polio, and even more viruses like that one we just looked at. And that's not all. But also Donald Trump, China, Biden, the phrase civil war. And that's just what I had time to put in. Item two. I believe somebody is messing with somebody else. But who's messing with who and why are mm, tremendously unclear. And I don't think necessarily anything we need to know definitively. What we do need to know is how we as individuals and as consumers of media and effective citizens in our own communities respond to these kind of news stories, how we engage in these kind of discussions. Because item number three, if we're not careful, we risk becoming the thing we're attempting to defeat. And by defeat, I mean improve the situation. I mean dishonest reporting. I mean overly politicized discussion, decision-making, politics, so on and so forth, to be clear. So let's get into why. Gay or nay? I, I use this title on purpose. It's a little, it's a little, uh, I, I think, I mean, it rhymes. Look, okay. Headline here, Vancouver agencies among those to receive funding for monkeypox awareness campaigns. This is from CTV News in British Columbia. Vancouver-based community, sorry, whoa, interesting. Vancouver-based, community-based research center and HIM Health Initiative for Men Society will receive funding, as will the Queer and Trans Health Collective in Edmonton. Quote, I am pleased that this funding will help organizations such as HIM Health Initiative for Men's Society, a community-based organization here in Vancouver that has been dedicated to promoting the health of gay and bisexual men, Fry said in a statement. The provincial government says it's working closely with its counterparts and officials in Ottawa to stop the spread of monkeypox. And according to the BC Center for Disease Control, the risk to the general population is still considered low. Notice where, where, have, where have we heard that sentence before? Monkeypox often presents as a flu-like infection with a rash and spreads through close personal contact with someone who is symptomatic. Health officials have recommended vaccinations for high-risk groups, including healthcare workers, close contacts, and men who have sex with men and have recent, recently had multiple sexual partners. Take note of all of that. Okay. Right off the bat, we have to address this gay or nay thing. Um, my premise is, I think we're being lured into, e even if it's by accident, I think we're finding ourselves in a situation where we're now on both sides, othering. We are doing an othering. So I wanted to use this Substack article, which was shared to me by 
uh, my friend Robin from Operation Uplift. I just want to go through it real fast. DEI, viral outcome. Monkey business with monkey pox. So this Substack article does a, a very good job of arguing a key point, which is health has been politicized and sort of, in a way, corrupted for a while. It's only now we're seeing it to the degree that it truly is. And recent events, such as in 2020, the murder of George Floyd and the following racial discussions that occurred, they weren't all discussions. They happened right in the middle of the COVID-19 situation where we were all being told to stay home unless you were going out to protest racism. Because structural racism was the greater public health crisis and that getting together with a few hundred thousand pals for days on end to protest it was not only an exception to all these lockdown rules, but a laudable and even vital act in service of public health. It's science, they swore. It was the dominant virus, more dominant even than the one that we closed the world for. But now we have monkeypox. I'm, I'm going to quote this. This outcompete is once more on vivid display in monkeypox, a minor disease of little serious import that is spreading only in, a, in very narrow community confines and could, if anyone really wanted to, be stopped quite readily. It's being declared an emergency because apparently everything is and must be. But the facts of the matter are plain. Monkeypox is spreading as a disease of men who have sex with men. It spreads by direct intimate contact and rarely beyond that. Most of spread vectors seem to lead to things like raves and sex parties where lots of casual sex between a great many partners is occurring. And this screenshot is the UK Health Security Agency that reports that on August 5th, they report 99% of these cases are male. The median age is 37 and 22 cases are women. Um, it's not clear to me right off the bat. 22 out of, I suppose, uh, you can do the math there, but this is the thing. Lockdowns, business closures, gathering bans, mandated protection, and contact tracing do absolutely nothing for an endemic respiratory virus. They cannot. They are the wrong tools for the job and could not possibly work even if implemented perfectly. They are the tools to address a different kind of pandemic. In no small irony, the kind of pandemic that looks exactly like monkeypox. I agree with a lot of things this author writes, but this is where I get very concerned. And there's more to it. We're not done this article, but what does that sound like to you other than let's impose these things on these people? I, I don't think that is what this author is suggesting. I think this author is pointing out the hypocrisy. Yet the silence is deafening. All the same people who closed your bars and restaurants and schools will not utter even a peep about, hey, maybe we should close the clubs and bathrooms and the public sex spaces. Maybe we should cancel that party. The same people who wanted vaccine passports and endless exclusion of the unvaxxed are suddenly on team. We cannot stigmatize people for their choices. 
the would-be COVID contact tracers now faced with a pathogen on which contact tracing actually works demand privacy rights. I mean, come on, man. So this author does go and finish with believing in personal responsibility. I'm going to move on from this, except to say... I, I, I am very worried, first of all, that I might be overreacting or I might be missing something because I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people who I believe are very trustworthy and good leaders um, who, who have truly stood up for individual rights, not stigmatizing based on any kind of health situation, following the facts of a situation, who are now prioritizing who who might be inching towards what the public health officials have suggested be done, which is allow someone other than the person in question to control any aspect of their lives. So my point is, if we're advocating if by we i mean everybody everybody on every side if we're advocating for liberty for non-discrimination for medical freedom for the ability to make one's own medical choices that never doesn't apply in my opinion so to those watching let me know what you think because i i think i don't think i have the answer i don't think i'm right uh, I think I'm this I think I'm not hearing what I thought I would be hearing. I think there's a discussion that's not being had enough, which is, wait, did we lose the point? What did we learn over the last two years? Or am I just overreacting? So let's move on. Okay. Um, the thing is, it's it's both. it's it's double think what's happening. This is from the hill. Experts worry monkeypox disinformation will harm LGBTQ plus community. The use of scare tactics and misinformation against the community is really, really harmful. Story at a glance, LGBTQ plus advocates and public health experts have expressed concern that the framing of monkeypox as a disease that is spread exclusively by LGBTQ plus people through sexual contact will stigmatize and isolate an already marginalized group. I agree with that. I don't think anybody is saying it spreads exclusively through LGBTQ plus people. I think if I understand correctly, people are pointing out there, if the numbers provided by public health are to be believed, which I argue is a fallacy based on the last two years, then there's a mechanism by which this is being transmitted. A certain form of sex, okay? and uh there's no genetic as far as i understand homos or non-heterosexuality for the most part isn't considered a genetic variance it's it's it, there's no immunological difference between gay people and straight people who are getting this it's it, i if i understand correctly it's a mechanism of sex that's causing this again if what they're saying is correct I, I'm pretty sure everyone's on the same page about that. I may be wrong. Monkeypox can spread through close or skin-to-skin -skin contact, but it is not a sexually transmitted disease, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. By the way, if it's spread by sex, it's a sexually transmitted disease. 
let's just put that to rest. Officials like Rep. Marjorie Taylor Greene and Rep. Lauren Boebert have signaled to their millions of followers online that they believe otherwise. Three months since the first case of monkeypox was reported in the U.S., disinformation and harmful stereotypes targeting gay and bisexual men who are most likely to become infected. So just right there, this article is asserting that this is a primarily gay and bisexual issue. That's this article asserting it. And then going on and criticizing others who assert that. Who quite obviously are on the opposite side of the political aisle here. Okay. Uh, to, to be clear, what Marjorie Taylor Greene said was what I said a couple of weeks ago, which is if this is, if monkeypox is a sexually transmitted disease, which by definition it is, why are kids getting it? That's a legitimate question. The implication, I think, that's being interpreted here is perhaps being overinterpreted. It's a legitimate question because it exposes an inconsistency in logic. That's why it's important. Lauren Boebert said, we know exactly what causes this monkeypox, she said on Thursday. She then points out, people who speak openly about where monkeypox is coming from run the risk of being called bigots. Yeah. Also, monkeypox didn't come from gay people. It's if it, that's totally different than spreading between men who have sex with men. Her other big point was, isn't the time inconvenient? There's an election coming up. And what happened last time we had a pandemic, which remember, this now is apparently. It's, again, a valid question as to what the public health response will be. Will this result in more lockdowns? Yeah. Gay or nay? I'm asking again, because Toronto residents can now book monkeypox vaccine appointments at city-run clinics. This came out today. Okay? And this says, let me just zoom in. I made it a little small here. Eligible Toronto residents are now able to book appointments to receive the monkeypox vaccine at city-run clinics. The city of Toronto says appointments will be available for people who are eligible, okay? And to be eligible, you have to identify as transgender or a member of the LGBTQ2S plus community. What is, what is the, I just note that uh, The Hill and CP24, CTV News here have made it confusing for me to understand which groups they're talking about because the acronyms are quite different. So perhaps someone could explain that to me. As a man who has sex with other men, and have at least one of the following. A sexually transmitted infection in the past two months, such as chlamydia, gonorrhea, or syphilis. So is this an STD or not? Holy mackerel. Two or more sexual partners in the past 21 days, or maybe planning to. Attendance at a bathhouse, sex club, or similar place for sexual contact within 21 days. Is a bathhouse a place where sexual contact often happens? Anyway, anonymous slash casual sex in the past 21 days engage in or planning to engage in sex work where the persons with whom they have sexual con okay so no people aren't that so to be clear it is a that problem or it's not a that problem my point is all of this is baloney in my opinion to me this screams of again 
double think. It is simultaneously an issue that primarily affects this at-risk class or group, however you want to describe these human beings. But if you say that, you're a homophobe or something. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't I don't think people are entirely intending to do that. I think that's the natural result. Okay. Lastly, the most commonly reported symptoms continue to be rash, oral slash genital lesions, fever, and fatigue, which can be a whole lot of illnesses, friends. Right-wing media embraces AIDS-era homophobia and monkeypox coverage. Okay. Um, I need to be efficient with my time, so I can't stay on this forever. Still waiting for gay men who are having random sex with strangers during the monkeypox outbreak to get lectured and scolded by public health authorities the way the rest of us did for going to grocery stores and restaurants during COVID-19, tweeted the Daily Caller's Matt Walsh. And in late July, Fox News's Tucker Carlson tweeted a poll declaring that the disease should be renamed Schlong COVID, tagging the CDC. First of all, Schlong COVID, I think that's a pretty funny joke because it makes fun of the CDC. It's not making fun of gay people. I do not personally believe Tucker Carlson is homophobic. I do think he has the cojones uh, to make a, a fairly edgy, potentially offensive joke like that. That's that's what I think that is. But that's my opinion. However, this is kind of what I mean. I, I don't think Matt Walsh made a joke here. I think he's making, I suppose, a valid observation. But what does it do other than say... You treated us this way, now treat them this way. No, not good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, again, this, this conflation with the AIDS epidemic. The AIDS epidemic. King contracted... So, this King individual is a is a activist... Um, King contracted HIV in 1985 and remembers feeling frustrated over the lack of official acknowledgement of the toll on gay men. How many years was it until our president said how many people died of AIDS before there was detailed, explicit language on how the virus was transmitted, he says. Fast forward to 2022, where we are at least getting all this great explicit information about monkeypox so that gay men can protect themselves. I consider that progress. But not everyone agrees. Framing monkeypox as a disease within the gay community will discourage other people from educating themselves on prevention because it can infect other people. If history has shown anything, it would show us that a communicable disease like this doesn't stay within one community. Stigma drives fear and fear becomes the resistance to public health and stopping the spread of disease. Just a reminder that uh, it, governments have specifically chosen to employ fear throughout this. So I find it... Uh, to be, hmm, let's move on. A reminder, the HIV epidemic started as something that was seen as a, uh, I believe the term gay cancer was used. Uh, now, it's not. Now it's looked at more as a, uh, well, a worldwide issue. But it's also talked about a lot in the, in the context of Africa and African children. To be clear, I don't think the comparison holds. And then you have an example of what I'm saying of, you, you, you have two messages, two 
ideologies or two concepts and you're being told or or audience members of these media organizations are being told to hold both of them at the same time even though they completely contradict each other now this is one person but this is a prominent news publication the washington post this is a homosexual man opinion gay men can fight monkeypox ourselves by changing how we have sex as during the AIDS crisis, gay men cannot wait for the government. We need to change our sexual behavior now. We must do this as an act of empowerment to protect ourselves. Until a time when monkeypox hopefully abates. You mean it might not? This can and should mean reducing our number of partners, skipping sex parties. Okay, I wasn't aware that sex parties were so common. I, I want to say, in my life, I have never, ever once heard of a sex party. I don't agree with the premise that sex parties are as common as are being, as is being suggested here. So rampant that they have to be uh, two weeks to flatten the sex party curve. I think I don't think that I challenge that notion. Basically, he's saying that in his opinion as a gay man, it is inevitable that gay men should be the ones to self to adjust their own sexual actions. By the way, I agree with that just as a matter of individual choice. This reluctance is driven by an entrenched belief that telling gay men to alter our sexual practices is intrinsically homophobic or stigmatizing. The notion is partly understandable. It acknowledges that such, a, that such demands could backfire, given an all-too-human resistance to being told what to do in private matters, especially that's because no one has any right to tell you what to do in private matters. Especially within a community whose sex lives have a history of being criminalized. True. It also acknowledges that anti-LGBTQ policies and sentiment, including monkeypox-driven attacks, are on the rise, and that a segment of the country still wields gay men's sexual norms to justify discrimination. Again, I don't, I do not know if that's true. I, I, that's just not, that's not been in any way my experience with people across political aisles. However, this thinking also patronizes gay men as perennial adolescents, determined to defy any whiff or paternalism, regardless of the cost to themselves or the community at large. Now here comes the hypocrisy, because what the heck have they been doing to gay people, straight people, white people, black people, all kinds of people, every kind of person who made a different medical choice than the in-group? What, what do you think, Benjamin, has been underway for two years? Ending this on this quote, gay men are the strongest, toughest people I know. Let's prove him right. I love that. Uh, I, I, I think the sexuality is irrelevant. It is not the thing we should be focusing on. And I, I love empowerment. Empowerment is key. Disempowerment, telling anybody what to do. We're, we're, we're getting into weird territory. And I admit, this is difficult for me to talk about. I'm figuring this out as I go. And uh, I want to understand 
I want to make sure I'm not overreacting. I want to make sure I hear the true essence of the discussion in all its nuances and complexities. And I'm having trouble with that right now. This is the Division of Communicable Disease Control in California. This is their monkeypox branded chat thing or box thing. It's a lot of non-white people. 98% male. 87.9% gay, lesbian, or same gender loving. 7.7% bisexual. 3.5% of it is, bi is heterosexual or straight. I don't know what that means other than to say it's interesting. But what is monkeypox, guys? Because I'm concerned we're also arguing over something that is still superfluous in how it's being presented that's still ambiguous in how it's being presented this is from the world health organization from may 19 2022 okay and this is as far as i know the most recent fact sheet like this okay monkeypox is a viral zoonosis a virus transmitted to humans from animals with symptoms similar to those seen in the past in smallpox patients Okay, that's scary right off the bat, right? And if, if you're reading this, that's the first thing you see. Although it is clinically less severe. Okay, that's good. With the eradication of smallpox in 1980 and subsequent cessation of smallpox vaccination, monkeypox has emerged as the most important orthopox virus for public health. Monkeypox primarily occurs in central and so on and so forth. So the signs and symptoms, take a look through here, okay? It covers a lot of potential things. And I'm under the impression we're not looking at a lot of pustules we're looking at a lot of rashes monkeypox is usually a self-limited disease with symptoms lasting from two to four weeks severe cases occur more commonly among children i'm i thought it was among men who have sex with men i hope i'm making my point clear Underlying immune deficiencies may lead to worse outcomes. And I ask the audience, what, pray tell, might be leading to the creation of or exacerbation of underlying immune deficiencies right now in our world? Okay. The case fatality ratio of monkeypox has historically ranged from 0 to 11% in the general population and has been higher among young children. In recent times, the case fatality ratio has been around 3 to 6%. But it could be 0, apparently. Uh, I just want to point out here, they're using PCR. And they say it's because of its accuracy and sensitivity. Be the judge. Also, recent or remote vaccination oops, with a vaccinia-based vaccine, e.g. anyone vaccinated before smallpox eradication, so a long time ago, or more recently vaccinated due to higher risk, such as orthopox virus laboratory personnel, might lead to false positive results. So people who were, if I'm reading this right, were vaccinated a long time ago or who recently got vaccinated might be counted in these monkeypox numbers we're getting. 
boy, oh boy. Scientific studies are now underway to assess the feasibility and appropriateness of vaccination for the prevention and control of monkeypox. Remember, the World Health Organization emphasized this was a clinical trial. The context in which these smallpox vaccines are being used for monkeypox is in the context of a clinical trial. There's a reminder here. Okay. Last but not least, whereas smallpox no longer occurs naturally, the global health sector remains vigilant in the event it could reappear through natural mechanisms, which uh, doesn't that contradict the no longer occurs naturally line, laboratory accident or deliberate release. Remember the nuclear threat initiative monkeypox exercise that was run in March of 2021. This is, once again, further confirming what is already public fact. Okay. In review, there's a whole lot of crazy stuff that I may or may not be reading too much into. Uh, let me know. But if we're not careful, we risk contributing to the problem. But now let's move on to the second item, which is very exciting. Uh, it's not exciting, actually. It's, it's very interesting. It's not exciting because of what it means. But San Diego County data, okay, ha ha gives us uh, some very interesting uh, interesting revelations. So let's let's summarize and then we'll go through. The CDC data says that San Diego County had a 99.9% .9 COVID-19 vaccination rate on October 7, 2021, but that number then dropped to 95% on December 9, 2021. It didn't change again as of June 7, 2022, meaning it's remained at 95%. Item number two, San Diego data says that the county had a 75% vaccination rate on June 7, 2022. Okay, a little different than 95. Three, the results that can be gleaned from this. Zero efficacy from the shots. They don't do anything of value based on this data. And there's negative efficacy for the boosted, meaning all outcomes are worse for people who have had three, four shots compared to two, one, or none. So it's this is Rounding the Earth, the substack, written by Matthew Crawford, okay? His title, San Diego County Data Bus a Hole in Vaccine Efficacy Narrative. Oops, forgive me, jumping ahead here. Just trying to zoom in. So basically he goes in and uh, there's some data posted here by Justin Hart on Twitter. Official report from San Diego. 67% of all recent COVID-19 deaths are fully vaccinated. The majority of those are fully vaccinated and boosted. As you can see there. Matthew was curious because he used to live in San Diego and he was interested in finding what the vaccination rate in that county looked like. Now, he has the CDC data set and was able to go check. And according to the CDC, San Diego County has a 99% vaccination rate as of October 7. Then he goes and says, well, hang on a second. That went down on December 9. We'll find out why later. But it didn't change again. It stayed that way. But then looking at San Diego's own report, which was 
the source of this original tweet from Justin. And you find, look at that nice map. And when you look at Matthew's, when you look at the data, so that's the map. When you look at the data that it provides, you find that 76.6% seems to be the actual number. Okay. And then the figures broken down here by race and ethnicity support that. It looks as though that about 75% of people is the correct number. Okay. To quote the article, I'm trying my best to excuse or to steel man the CDC's data here, but I keep hitting, I keep running into brick walls. Is fraud too strong a word? I feel at this point like the CDC data has likely embedded data series. I doubt San Diego is the only case, and I plan to look for others that are simply fraudulent. Okay. San Diego is a very healthy place. California is a very healthy state, at least big parts of it, the metropolitan areas, a lot of young people. So therefore, it would be a very good place if data manipulation were to happen. The full extent of how Matthew got here and how the data was manipulated, how the data was changed over time and how it was different between San Diego and the CDC, one of which being a federal agency, the other one being the state and the county data in this case, San Diego. So the, the, the way to properly go through that is through this Substack article. So uh, I will leave the link in the description there. But the long and the short of it is the following points. We are, quote, I, I quote, we are clearly and absolutely not in a pandemic of the unvaccinated. The primary risk statistics are fairly flat. There is no indication of substantial leaps in efficacy from one group to the next. The up and down vaccine efficacy is highly suggestive of a statistical sieve that, when removed, looks to average out to zero efficacy. And jumping to the, the bottom here, okay? Boosters are a disaster. Not only are disease rates and mortality higher, but these are people subjecting themselves an additional time to adverse events, meaning the, ad, the risk of adverse events that comes with each additional shot is what that means, which seem to have a dose-dependent relationship from perhaps more lipid nanoparticles or simply more quantity of mRNA doing damage through pathological priming, so on and so forth, Okay. All right. So then we find that the CDC, at a certain point, we know that they had changed from 99.9% .9 in San Diego down to 95. Turns out that was done because previously they capped their estimates. So these are estimates that we're talking about, apparently, of vaccine coverage at 99.9% .9 anywhere. So wherever they were putting uh, uptake data, they would never go higher than 99.9%. .9 uh on december 9 2021 they changed the cap to 95 so that's why it went lower here's how the magic trick works step one the cdc is modeling the data but telling us data instead of modeled data or estimated data up front so that means people who are paying who are kind of paying attention won't necessarily know that what they're looking at aren't real numbers, they're estimates. 
Second, report there's a pandemic of the unvaccinated, which throws everyone into a frenzy, gets everyone mad at each other, becomes a really good catchphrase, so on and so forth, uh, which is just wrong. It's not true. Step three, keep changing the model, with it, which is a black box anyhow. Distract people with coverage of, I don't know, Eastern European conflicts, Nancy Pelosi going to China, so on and so forth. And then step four, admit to the New York Times, February 22, 2022, that not all the data is being used. Okay, so in in summary, you're going to want to go read the entire article at roundingtheearth.substack.com, which is also the best way to support this show and everything Rounding the Earth does. You can go subscribe at roundingtheearth.substack.com. If you're a free member, consider upgrading to a paid member. This is the link to go see the uh, effective citizenship uh, discussion that I talked about earlier. And when we do these live streams, like the one I'm on right now, on the right side on the Rumble page, you will see Rumble rants, which are essentially sponsored or paid comments that you can leave. We're now on Rockfin as well, where we're also live streaming. And you can give an easy $5 tip by clicking on this fun little $5 tip button there. Most importantly, thank you. Uh, this has been a longer show. I'm still experimenting with the format. Um, so again, I appreciate your patience. We've gotten a lot of good feedback behind the scenes. Um, today was also more opinionated. Um, so I hope I hope at least the discussion that I began here can continue in other forms, uh, including in the comments, including if you want to send a message to me, to Rounding the Earth, Rounding the Earth, at gmail.com, but also just in your own communities, your own circles. Uh, can, whether you consider yourself to be a dissident or someone following more the main discussion of monkeypox, the question is, how do you want to be treated? Do you want, in any circumstance, people to be telling you what to do for a health risk that does not exist for the person telling you what to do. I, I guess that's where it comes down to it. Um, more than anything, um, oh, thank you, Kevin. Hey, thank you, Sam. You guys are very nice for watching. Um, I have been Liam Sturgis. I really like when people comment, so I encourage you to do that. In the meantime, uh, we have a very exciting show coming up on Tuesday. Yet another roundtable discussion. Details forthcoming. Thank you all so much. You can find me at www.liamsturgis.com. And I hope you guys have a fantastic, uncontroversial, relaxing weekend. We'll see you on Tuesday. Mm -hmm.